Welcome to All the Social Ladies, a podcast bringing you candid conversations with the boldest women in digital marketing. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and let's get into the show. Hey guys, I'm so excited this week to introduce you to Allison Lowry, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of Angie Home Services. One of the things that I find so interesting about home service providers is that unlike travel or food delivery or car service providers, all of these things that we we really research and talk about online, home services is really still relegated to talking about with your neighbors and your friends and family. It's interesting to see how they are focused as much on offline communication as they are on online communication. Take a listen. Welcome, Allison, to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. And I want to start off by asking you a question that I've asked every woman that I've ever had on the show. Tell me about the three moments, if you had to break your career story and your life story down into three defining moments, tell me what they'd be. Three defining moments. Well, the first one would have to be I started off my career coming out of college with a marketing and finance joint degree. And so I thought that I wanted a career in finance. I went to New York. I had two internships on Wall Street and very quickly realized that it was not the direction I wanted to take my career. For me, there was an element of creativity that was missing in that particular field of work. And so after those two internships, I went into advertising and It was definitely not easy. So, you know, number two defining moment would be trying to trying to break into advertising. (laughs) And it took a while. And I have to say that it was pretty grueling once I did break in. The hours were insane, but I loved it. It was an unbelievable way to sort of restart my career. I had the opportunity to work on one of the most iconic advertising campaigns of the 21st century. It was the Volkswagen Drivers Wanted campaign. So no number of hours or clients were, were going to stop me from doing that. It was an absolutely formative experience. It sparked my love of advertising and marketing. I had the opportunity to work alongside a world-class agency with world-class creatives and a world-class hyper smart client. So can I ask you a question about this? So you had made the switch where you were interning at Wall Street and you you had to break into the advertising industry, which is a crowded industry, highly desirable, especially people in coming out of college, having these big dreams of working on these types of campaigns. How did you manage to navigate your way in? Was it just a lot of interviews? Did you network? How did you get there? So I knew, so I, I was living in Boston at the time and I knew exactly which and which client I wanted to work on. And so I was willing to do any kind of job. I started, you know, kind of the lowest of the ranks, an account coordinator where I was making PowerPoints, getting coffee, running errands, sending FedExes. And, you know, that's that's just how you start in that industry. Yeah. And yeah. you work your way in, you you acquire more responsibility and trust over time. And you know, that was That was just something I knew I had to be willing to do in order to break into that industry and to do it in a way where it was on a client and at an agency where I knew that I would be able to learn very quickly. I think that's a very important point. One of the things that I liked that you did was you decided where you wanted to work 
and you decided what type of client you wanted to work on. You didn't let it just happen to you searching for what was open and where. And you you started at the bottom in a place where you really felt like you knew you wanted to be. I think that's a good piece of advice for people rather than waiting for the opportunity to find them. It's, it's picking what opportunity you want and figuring out how you can make that happen. I think it's a great story for that. That's right. I mean, I, I think that it's really important to be purposeful in where you end up. I mean, certainly everybody will have a story on their resume that just is by chance I ended up here, but every major decision, every major good decision that I've made in my career has been the result of being very purposeful. Absolutely. Okay. Tell me your third moment. I'm ready. Third was moving to Colorado to join at the time a company, a little known company named Service Magic, which is now Angie Home Services. So in between advertising and ending up here in Colorado, I had gone what we call in-house. That's just the, the language that people yes. who agency to you know, working for, an act for, for a brand um, use. So I went in-house to a couple of different brands. So that gave me the experience on the in-house side to be able to be a marketing practitioner. I was in Chicago at the time and knew that I had this kind of westward migration in me, but really wanted to make sure that I found the right job. I mean, kind of going back to this idea of being purposeful in your career. So I found this interesting company called Service Magic that was a marketplace business connecting homeowners with service providers like plumbers, electricians, and handymen. And it jumped out at me because I had spent the previous seven years at a marketplace business called cars.com, which essentially was doing the same thing for car shoppers and car dealers. And so, you know, there was this familiarity with the concept of a marketplace business, but it was an opportunity to move into another category, home services, which is a huge category. It's a $400 billion category. And so I thought, yeah. you know what, this is a pretty unique opportunity and it's one worth picking up and moving for. And so, you know, it's, I've been here now at Home Advisor for almost nine years, which in the lifetime of both an internet company and a CMO is incredibly long time. Yes. Yes, definitely. It's very, very exciting. Very exciting. One of the things that I think is so interesting about home services is that it truly is word of mouth. And one of the things that I find fascinating is that a lot of that word of mouth still happens offline. So we can plan as much for social media as we want, but the actual conversations that are taking place, a lot of the time happen in your neighborhood, happen talking to one another and and having conversations. Do you see that in your marketing today? Absolutely. So we have done a tremendous amount of research on this topic and you're right. You know, the vast majority, we think it's around 90% of the time homeowners are looking to find a plumber, an electrician, a handyman, that they're doing so through word of mouth referrals. So completely yes. off. Now, going online for homeowners is not a new behavior. It's not a new concept. I mean, we all go online to find dates, to book hotels, to order food, et cetera. But, but oddly enough, it is still new for home services. And we think that we're one of the last major categories to fully migrate online. So at Angie Home Services, what we're doing is we're trying to accelerate that shift 
in two key ways. You know, number one is building brands that people trust and that they will turn to when they have some kind of a home need. And by the way, homeowners have somewhere in the range of six to eight different home needs each and every year. So we're in the midst of building brands like Home Advisor, Angie's List, and Handy that we aim to be to make top of mind so that when people have those those kinds of needs, they'll they'll come to us. The second is really just giving people a better experience than word of mouth. So to change behavior, we we know we need to show people a better way. When we talk to homeowners, you know, we don't hear a lot of griping about word of mouth. We all know it's a really inefficient process. But I sort of think of it as similar to how, you know, five, 10 years ago, no one was complaining about hailing a taxi until Uber came along. I mean, right. now, can you think of anything more awful and inefficient than standing outside in the rain to flag down a taxi? I can't. Mm-hmm. And we want to elicit that same kind of reaction from every homeowner when they realize just how easy we've made it for them to care for their home. Absolutely. I think it's a very interesting concept and how you will, as consumer behavior, will start to shift online. You're already seeing it for sure. I know I see it in my own neighborhood Facebook groups. You know, when you have these groups and everyone over and over, you know, who is a good plumber? Who is a good this? Who is a good that? It's starting to shift online, but you are right that it it has to be one of the last categories to actually make that choice. And it's interesting because it really is ripe for disruption. I'm I'm really excited for you guys. I know that when you rebranded, so you were Service Magic, now Home Advisor, at least that part of the business, rebranded from Service Magic to Home Advisor. You went from this sort of B2B lead gen business to more consumer facing. Is that part of the educating consumers that there's a place to go that they can trust? Talk to me a little bit about how you use digital to do this and what went into this thought process? Absolutely. So the rebrand from Service Magic to Home Advisor was not just a change in the name and logo of the company. It was a wholesale change of our business model, our consumer experience, and also our brand. And so this moment in time when we rebranded, it was 2012. It marked the first time that we had put any focus on building a consumer-facing brand. And the reason that we did it, or one of the many reasons we did it, was to initiate this virtuous cycle that happens when you're able to satisfy more service professionals by having more consumers and vice versa. We are a two-sided marketplace. And so in order to bolster both sides of the marketplace, you have to have a brand for both service professionals and consumers alike. Yes. And so by doing that, you know, what that enabled us to do was spend significantly more in marketing, but also to do it across a much more diverse set of marketing tactics. So prior to the rebrand, you know, marketing was sort of synonymous with paid search. Now, fast forward, you know, six to seven years later, and we have a much more robust marketing footprint across television and radio and social media and digital display. So, you know, what that effectively enabled us to do was instead of relying so heavily on paid search to harvest demand, yes. we did a marketing strategy to help drive demand. Fabulous. Fabulous. And so how has that been working for you? What have you seen as a change? Is it something that has really paid off for you well? It has. It has. I mean, we, we've been able to scale our, our spend dramatically. I think one of 
know my favorite stories is that in the early days of the rebrand, we did kind of a test the waters spend on television media. It was a couple hundred thousand dollars at the time, which by the way, felt like a ridiculous amount of money. Yep. And we've been over time, you know, through rigorous testing and measurement, we've been able to grow that television spend to over a hundred million dollars across multiple brands. And is television where you see the bulk of return for you? What is working best? And and is digital performing? All of our channels are performing. We hold them all to a very high standard. Our goal is to be able to continue to scale all of those channels. You know, we invest heavily, like I mentioned, still in paid search. We invest significantly across channels like paid app and display and mm-hmm. in social media as well. And, you know, we hold them all to a burden of, of being able to perform in the the very near future so that we can continue to invest more in the business and more into marketing. What would you say is the biggest challenge in running social media efforts in this type of area? Looking at what is something that you really want to tackle? Well, social media is a very important way for us to be able to make connections and build engagement with our our, current user base, but also our potential user base. You know, we're starting to see that the millennial generation are becoming you know, a, a major portion of U.S. homeowners. They're starting to buy homes at significant rates. And frankly, a strictly television media marketing strategy is not going to reflect in the way that a much more integrated and diverse marketing footprint will. And so we are looking across many different social platforms trying to understand the formats that will work best to reach and engage with with users of those platforms. And at this point in time, you know, they're not all completely standardized and and that's a good thing. We want to reach potential users in, you know, an authentic way that is representative of the experience that they would expect on their preferred social platform. And you've grown and scaled this organization. You've been there a long time and you've grown and scaled, growing from really working strictly on Home Advisor and growing up into being the CMO of Angie Home Services. Talk to me about the scale. And as you had to build a marketing team that could really handle all of this, I, I think you went, I see here from five to more than 65 people. Talk to me a little bit about how you approach that. How do you scale a high growth team? Yes, it's challenging, but it's been an incredible learning experience for me. I, this is the first time I've ever grown a team from you know starting at roughly five people to now being over 60. Wow. There are really two things that I think about in terms of growing and scaling a marketing organization. One is about growing the team. The other is about how we continue to measure and demonstrate results. So as far as growing a team, As corny as this may sound, I think it's really simple. I like to hire people who are in the upper right-hand quadrant of the smart and nice chart. I mean, it's probably oversimplified way of looking at things, but, you know, as you grow rapidly, you have to make sure that you continue to hire people who, you know, the next person always needs to be better than, than the first in terms of raising the bar. And, you know, when I say smart and nice, what I mean by that is, Hiring people who are ambitious and yet pragmatic, people who have no ego, who are eager to collaborate and work within a team environment, not just within 
marketing, but across the entire organization. So smart hiring is one of them. The second is just open communication. I find that people on my team really thrive when they have a clear picture of what we're trying to accomplish as an organization. And people really want to know how their own work is contributing to the broader success of the organization. And so being able to communicate what that means and to tie the individual efforts of the marketing team back to successes more broadly with the business is very important. So you and I are on the exact same page. I I absolutely loved your answer here as somebody who has, has built a company myself. And it's funny, you know, our company that we had started is called Likeable. And I always talk about the importance of hiring people who are just nice people and likable people and all of that stuff. There's pushback in that lately where you hear a lot about, you know, high talent can be very difficult. High talent, you know, aren't always the nicest, right? And you respect them, but they're, they're not always people who are so nice. Do you, you find that you can build, and it sounds like based off of what you said, that you, you can build an organization with people who are smart and nice, correct? Do you see any, do you see any or have any reaction to that kind of philosophy that you don't always have to be nice or you don't have to be as likable? I, for me, this is a challenge that comes up. That's why I figured I'd ask you too, since you had such a similar answer to one that I would give. I do not think that smart and nice have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah. I think that I tell my team all this all the time. We don't all have to be best friends, but we have to respect each other. We have to respect one another's work, one another's opinions. We have to learn how to have, you know, productive and healthy tension. It's okay to have tension, but you have to conduct yourself in a mature and professional way. And so when I say nice, I don't mean, you know, we all have to be BFFs. Right. We don't all have to be hanging out all the time outside of work. Right. Totally get it. But I do think we have to treat each other respectfully. And so I think it's, you know, it's how you interpret nice and the way I've just described it. No, I don't think that that smart and nice have to be mutually exclusive. Same girl. Preach. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's head on over to the lightning round. I totally, totally agree with you. We are major compadre here. So, okay. Lightning round. Here we go. I'm going to ask you three questions. You're going to say whatever is right off the top of your head, whatever comes into your mind, you just say it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you, Allison, the human could only use one social network, which would you choose? Slack. Hands down. It's made my life so much easier. Nice. I love that. Okay. How about for home advisor? If they could use only one, which would they use? Facebook. Okay. What's one piece of advice you would tell your younger self? Don't self-limit. I remember being promoted to director at one point in my career and thinking to myself, this is as big as it's going to get. Enjoy the moment. And what a silly thing to think. No self-limiting beliefs. I love it. Okay. And what woman do you admire most in the entire world? Let's see. Julia Child. I, she's, Tell me why. I think she's an iconic brand under herself. She also pulled off one of the most interesting career changes of all time. She was a spy in World, world War II before she was a chef. I just find that fascinating. Love it. She also Love had, it. also notorious for being an incredibly pragmatic person. And so I think I can learn a lot from her attitude and her approach, even though she's a chef and I'm not. Very cool. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are one fabulous social lady. Thank you. Great meeting you. That was all the social ladies. 
Don't miss new episodes every week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media and author of Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Follow me, at Carrie Kirpin, everywhere. And for more social smarts, be sure to follow Likeable, at Likeable Media. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.